Amen. An uh, old one there, isn't it? And uh, it's probably, I guess it's not as old as I thought it might be, but it's old nevertheless. Old for me, I guess. All right, well, let's open our Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 11. <coughs> Romans chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24 today. And we're going to look at four warnings to the Gentile believers that Paul gives in this section. Remember that uh, this section of scripture has, uh, is designated or talking about Israel's uh, hope, Israel's future, um, and what it is, it's mostly dedicated towards Israel. I mentioned before, many commentators just kind of skip over this section a little bit, these three chapters, and, uh, and say it has very little relevance to the church. But I disagree wholeheartedly. I think this is a lot of relevance to the church and a lot of understanding of how God works with, <clears throat> with man, with the Gentiles, with the church, and with Israel as a whole. And uh, so we have seen uh, the, uh, here God dealing with uh, the Israels here, and he's provoking the Israelites to jealousy uh, so that might so could come to grace. And Paul has been speaking about how God has dealt with Israel. And we see, um, I have a slide here, kind of a pictorial view of it. Uh, but in verses 11 and 12, he spoke of provoking the Israelites to jealousy so that some might come to grace. Uh, this was from a uh, book that I read on uh, these chapters here. And uh, it said that we could use, I could use these slides, so I did. <laughs> and, uh, but it says here, uh, you know, they provoked them to jealousy as the, some of the Jews were saved and some of them went with Christ and accepted grace and the Gentile Christians accepted Christ, but there were still some that did not go and did not follow. Here in verse number 17, Paul begins with a parable of an olive tree. Uh, his point is to show how God has worked with, the, with Israel and the Gentiles. The olive tree was one of the most used and produ productive trees in Israel. Uh, it was important for their economy as well as for their daily use. Uh, God, through Paul, uses the image of an olive tree as a picture of God's relationship with the nation of Israel. So before we go any further, let's read the section that we're going to look at today, 17 through 24, to get an overview and then we'll come back and look at these verses. Beginning of verse 17, the Bible says, And if some of the branches be broken off, uh, let's see here, yeah. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the oil tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Uh, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt so shut be cut off. They also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut, off, uh, cut out of the oil... Uh, excuse me, let's try that again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? We're going to look at these verses <clears throat> together as we look at this tonight. Uh, again, verse 17, it says, And if some of the branches be broken off, 
And thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, uh, and with them partakers, uh, partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. We have another image here, uh, partake of uh, the idea of what we're talking about here. The natural branches refers to Israel. Uh, the Gentile uh, or the wild olive branches refers to the Gentile believers. The olive tree itself refers to God in a, a right relationship with God. And some wild olive branches have been grafted into the tree. Uh, it's interesting to note that Paul uses the word thou or kesu, which is a singular term. Uh, he's not speaking to all Gentiles, but to particular Gentiles. Uh, the Gentile believers are called a wild olive branch, and he's, uh, he was not part of the olive tree to begin with. Uh, he was estranged or alienated from the olive tree. Uh, but the Gentile believer is now said to have been grafted into the olive tree. Uh, he is now attached to God. He's in right relationship with God. Uh, he, so he partakes of the nutrients and the life of the olive tree. Uh, what a privilege, amen? To be able to be a part of what God's plan is all of this time, to be nourished by God. And because he has chosen to graft us in, it is now as much our right as the believing Jew. Uh, the Gentile believers have been grafted with them, uh, the Jewish believers. And there is only one family here. Uh, we are all the family of God. Uh, but with this comes forewarnings to the Gentiles. And so as we go back to uh, this idea of the forewarnings of the Gentiles, let's look at the first one, seen in verse 18, and that is, do not boast. Uh, that says something else. There we go. I'll let you do it if you're doing it. All right. Uh, verse 18, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Uh, this verse is the understood, understood conclusion to the if-then statement that was started with the last verse. Uh, if some of the branches were broken off and you were grafted in, then don't boast. That's what he's saying here. It's easy for a new Christian, once there's some growth, to boast and become judgmental. Get a little bit of understanding and all of a sudden they tend to just go crazy with it sometimes. And it's easy to look around when God has convicted you of certain areas of your life uh, that have become hindrances in your life, and then you see another Christian that's still doing some of those things to which you've been convicted about, and, uh, and you see that and you become judgmental of it. And I'm not, not talking about sin, which is the Word of God clearly forbids, okay? If the Word of God clearly forbids something like fornication or adultery or these uh, things that are clearly sin, but those things where it may not be sin, but the Holy Spirit convicts you about it and says, don't do this, then you have to obey the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean, forgive me, Sherry, Sherry has to do what I do. <laughs> Sherry doesn't have to uh, uh, obey what the Holy Spirit convicts me of. Okay, And uh, so whenever the, it's easy for Christians, new Christians, when they get in and become convicted about something to realize, think everyone should be doing this. You know, especially once they feel freedom uh, from that, from not doing that any longer. Freedom from the sin that weights them down. Uh, and they think, well, everyone ought to be doing this or not doing it, whatever the case may be. Uh, but some of those areas where the Word of God doesn't directly prohibit, but the Holy Spirit convicts the individual uh, that struggles in that area for some reason, uh, it's easy for them to become judgmental over that uh, as we begin to feel secure in our new olive tree position. 
maybe some in Paul's day were looking at the lack of faith in, the, in Jesus Christ that some of the unbelieving Jews had. And they began to uh, be boastful about their own faith. And the leaders of the Jewish communities were persecuting the church of the Christians who followed Jesus. And so it even adds more temptation to the fact that uh, to judge those that are uh, been cut off from the branches. Many Jews chose to not follow the way uh, because, of, uh, because of this persecution. And they realized that they, uh, if they followed after Christ, they would be persecuted. And that was a huge hindrance for them. Uh, but Paul... Uh, doesn't want these grafted-in Gentiles, these who have followed the way, who have followed Christ. And by the way, uh, the, the way is what they called it uh, in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, uh, the way of Christ and the way. The way. Um, that's why I keep using that term. But um, the Gentiles uh, that were grafted in uh, could become dismissive or judgmental, boasting in their position in this olive tree now. And they were the ones who were dependent on the root, he says, not the root dependent on them. Don't get boastful. Uh, we need to become, uh, not become boastful as we look around and see others <coughs> excuse me, who have not possibly grown as quickly as we have. It's not something to be boastful about. It's something to thank the Lord for your growth uh, and not become proud about it. Uh, that's a quick way to take three steps backwards. Uh, but we need to not become judgmental over those things that others have not been taught. Uh, we have worked hard to try to instill in our kids to not be judgmental of other people. Uh, they're not, it's not always successful, just like as parents are not always successful in the things that we know we're supposed to do. <coughs> but, <coughs> excuse me. but it's hard sometimes for Christians to look at what appears to be the freedoms of others uh, that they have uh, to, that they seem to be able to do whatever they want or miss church to enjoy f other fun activities or et cetera. But uh, you're here and, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And uh, I always joke that I was a drug baby, you know, and uh, drug to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, it's just we're always here. And my kids are always here. It's never a question whether or not, and not just because I'm a pastor, <laughs> it's not a question whether or not we're going to be in church on Sunday or Wednesday. Even when we're on vacation, uh, we go to church. If at all possible, we go to church and uh, find a church to go to in that area and go. Uh, because I believe it's priority in our lives, and I believe it's important. And it's important also for my kids to see other people that are doing it as well. And when we go into a new area, it's important for them to see, hey, this church is a lot like our church. By the way, it's good to find a church that's like our church. But anyways, uh, you know, and, and see, we're not the only ones in the world doing this. And uh, it's helpful to their spiritual growth. Uh, you know, but I, I tell them a lot of times, you know, whenever it's a struggle because it seems like others have the freedom or the ability to do something that they may not have, I tell them a lot of times that, you know, to whom much is given, much is required, the Bible says. And uh, we're not better than anyone else by any means, but you have been given a greater uh, requirement than other people. As a pastor's family, you have been given uh, uh, you have been given much, and you've been given instruction. You're given the ability to have a church to go to, and to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, as you begin to be shown by God's word the right thing to do, we're required to follow it. And uh, others. 
uh, may not have under, uh, learned from God's Holy Spirit uh, certain aspects of this Christian life. We can't stand in judgment of them. We can pray for them. <clears throat> we can pray that the Holy Spirit will show them because we see things that where it hinders their life maybe even. And we see, you know, this, this is becoming a stumbling block. Lord, please uh, show them, and you handle this, because you're a much better Holy Spirit than I am. Uh, but you, I, I yield it to you, but help them, please. Uh, don't be judgmental of others. Uh, don't be envious of those around you who do not do the things that you do, or that do uh, what you feel the Lord would have you to do. Just let every one of us follow as the Holy Spirit leads us. Amen? And uh, he's a much better Holy Spirit than I am, as I've said. And uh, the second warning he has, so first of all, don't boast. The second warning that he's warned these Gentiles in this section is do not become complacent. And we see this in verses 19 through 21. Uh, to be complacent is to show a smug or, un, uh, or, or un, uh, criti uncritical satisfaction with oneself and one's uh, achievements. You look at other people and uh, you judge them, but when you look at you, you don't judge me as harshly, you know, and I, well, I, I just made a mistake, you know, <laughs> rather than whatever. And that's kind of the idea of complacent here. Uh, verse 19, beginning there, it says, Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. And Paul imagines the argument from the Gentile believers here in verse 19. Well, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. These Jews were unbelievable Jews. They were broke off to make room for us Gentiles who would believe in Christ and believe what he has revealed to us. And uh, they had to be broken off so that we were, well, there's, in other words, they were cut off to make room for us. And there's an arrogance to this argument, and Paul picked up on that very quickly. And the refusal of these Jews to accept Jesus as Christ has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. Now, they, thought, uh, they thought, aren't we superior to those branches who were broken off? Uh, didn't they get broken off to make room for us? And Paul's response in the next verses lead them to the conclusion that this should humble us not lift us up in pride. Verse 20, he says, Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. And this should cause us, who are Gentiles, to be humble about our place in the olive tree. The fact that we were gifted with this ability to be graft grafted in to this olive tree to the blessings of God, and to salvation is a blessing, and it's a gift. It's not something to be boastful about. The only difference between us and the Jews who did not believe was our faith in Christ. That's it. And Paul says, don't be high-minded or arrogant. And Paul says, but rather fear. And who do we think we are compared to God's chosen people? Uh, the Jews had the godly heritage. Uh, we were the wild branch, the ungodly heritage. Uh, the Jews had the patriarchs uh, living for the one true God. Our ancestors were heathen, polytheistic people. Uh, the Jews had the word of God and the Messiah born through their lineage. We had neither of those things. Uh, the Jews had the prophets of God. Uh, we had false humanistic priests of this world led by demons and devils and false gods. We have no room to boast. 
Uh, so therefore, hold fast to your faith in humility. And realize what gift you have been given. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to those things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. All the more earnest we need to hold to those things which we have, ha, have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And God spared not the natural branches. Take heed, lest he should not spare thee also. Uh, that isn't a defense of the false theology of being able to lose your salvation, by the way. Uh, no, you'll still be, uh, you, you must still reconcile these verses with the whole of Romans as well as the whole of Scripture. You can't pull one verse out of context and say, well, see, this proves. You can't do that. You have to take all of Scripture and compare it. It is just a caution to not be arrogant or complacent in their newfound place in God. It's simply a word of warning. Just as 1 Corinthians 10:12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, it's not saying we're going to fall from grace or get unsaved. He says, just be careful. You're going to fall. I remember many a car ride with my mom and dad when us three kids were misbehaving in the back seat. And, well, mostly my sister. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she was always the angel, as you can imagine. But, uh, but I remember more than once my mom and dad uh, telling us boys, behave yourself or else, right? Uh, or more specific, they would sometimes say, don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> And we knew what would happen if they pulled that car over. And I remember one time my dad, say, dad said, I'll spank you between, before God and everybody. I don't care who sees us. <laughs> and I knew he was serious too. And uh, they didn't have to be any more specific than or else. Uh, and we knew it was not a good thing happening. And Paul is turning around in his driver's seat here and warning these believers, don't boast or else. And that's what he's saying. The response he is looking for is a humble obedience to God. And then the third warning comes along in the next verses, next verse 22, and we see, do not lose sight of God. Number three, do not lose sight of God. The reality of who God is, in other words. Uh, that is both sides of him. See the goodness and the severity of God. Verse 22 says, behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fail severity, uh, but toward thee, uh, toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Uh, first, we lo let's look at the severity. The severity, letter A, under that. Uh, let's look at uh, the, the second mentioned first. He says the goodness and severity, but we'll look at the severity first. The severity of God is seen in the spiritual fall of Israel. Uh, the word severity means an abrupt, sharp, rough cutting off. Uh, that's what the word means. So the Jews had committed the very sins that Paul warns about here in these three verses. <coughs> they had been arrogant and boastful towards the non-Jews and refused to share the truth of God's word with them. And we have to be careful not to fall into this as well. Uh, how important it is that we share the gospel with everyone around us with humility, uh, not an arrogant pride. Um, they would have been high-minded and complacent, feeling safe and secure as God's chosen people. But they ended up, because of their unbelief, being cut off from the tree. And they began to think they were better than the others around them. But the Jews rejected the many, many warnings that God has sent through the years. Prophets, God's word, the purpose of God's law itself... 
was warned over and over again about what would happen if they did not yield and did not believe on Jesus and yield to God. Zephaniah 1.12 tells us, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees, or we we would call it maybe sitting on their haunches, uh, that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Do you hear the boastfulness and and the unbelief there? Uh, He won't do any good to us. He won't do any bad to us either. They had become so arrogant in their standing as God's chosen people, and God cut them off. And so we see the severity. Now we see, secondly, the goodness. It says, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off, also shalt be cut off. And the goodness of the Lord is seen in the opening of uh, up to the Gentiles, the grafting in of the believers who were not Jewish heritage. But he warns them uh, they had better keep their eyes on how good God was to them. Don't be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't lose sight of not only the goodness of God, but also on the realization that we don't deserve it. Amen? And we need to be careful and not be boastful of what God, uh, God has done for us. And then number four, we see the fourth warning uh, to the Gentiles here in verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, and they also, uh, it, it's by the way, do not forget Israel's restor- uh, rest- restoration or restoring. I couldn't fit res- restoration on the screen, so I changed it to Israel's restoring. <laughs> uh, but I didn't change it in my notes. Uh, so, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. Uh, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off, uh, out, uh, for if thou wert cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted in their own olive tree? Uh, there will be a day when a, a great revival will happen in Israel. The Bible tells us, and we've been studying that in this chapter here. And they will turn to God through Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. And he uses Israel as a whole. And I don't, I don't believe necessarily that every single person of Jewish heritage will accept Christ. Uh, but he looks on it as a whole. The, va- the vast majority of them do. And a great revival happens. And he sees it as a whole. Just as he sees these Gentiles as a whole that he says might be cut off. Uh, the gospel has come to the Gentiles and great. And the gospel has swept across the many countries. I think of America. Whenever I think of this idea, when he talks about take heed lest he cut you off as well, I think of America, and uh, we need to take heed in the direction we're going and how if we reject God as a nation, he will cut us off of his blessings. And uh, that, that it's a general warning to the Gentiles. Be careful. This is talking about the Israelites as a, whole, as, as a general whole. Uh, the majority of them are going to come to Christ, the Bible says. Uh, and verse 24 says, For if thou wert uh, cut off of the olive tree, which was wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to the nature of a good tree, it's not, you, didn't, uh, you were cut off of a wild one and put into a good olive tree. If that was okay, how much more these natural branches would be regrafted back into the olive tree? And this great uh, uh, revival will happen. He says, don't take it lightly. Don't doubt it for a second. They will turn to God through Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. And Paul has already implied that there will be this great day of revival when Israel as a whole would return to her special relationship with God. 
and their being broken off is not necessarily the end of the story for these individual Israelites. Uh, they have a chance to accept Christ. And God says, if through their unbelief, if they reject their unbelief, and if they go back to Christ, they can be grafted back in. And yes, there will be a day when this great revival in Israel, but he is also speaking of every age between now and then. Uh, they can be grafted back in if they will believe. And there are many Jews that do believe in Christ and uh, do, uh, did get saved through the ages. And uh, some of those, and they are grafted in just like uh, regrafted in just like the Gentiles are grafted in. Um, but God is reminding the Gentiles, don't think that God cannot graft them back in if they repent. Uh, but note this grafting, first of all, is conditional. Letter A, it's conditional. There's an if in verse number 23. If they abide not still in unbelief. Uh, it is not gonna going to happen just because they are nationally Jewish. They're not going to get saved just because they have Jewish blood in them. He says, if they abide not still in unbelief. Everyone throughout the ages of time have gotten saved the exact same way. By faith in what has been revealed to them. Adam and Eve were saved because they believed what God revealed to them, that he was going to send someone a savior. As the patriarchs came and more was revealed to them, to whom much is given, much is required. They were required to believe uh, more. Uh, and uh, they, they were held to a, uh, this, the, what God had revealed to them. As we have the whole of Scripture in our hands, uh, we need to be careful not to reject, amen, any of it. But uh, God says, I have revealed now the entire picture. You specifically know what was a mystery before. You specifically know why I brought a Savior, what the Messiah, who he was. You know specifically it's Jesus Christ. You know specifically that he is the Son of God. You know specifically that he was virgin born. You know specifically that all of these things happen. And he says, uh, if, if, they, if you abide not still in unbelief, you get saved the exact same way that they, that they were saved back in the Old Testament. And the Jews all throughout the ages of time will be saved the same way. These Jews who will uh, come in this great revival time will get saved the exact same way, by faith in God's revealed word. And it's uh, not going to happen just because they're national Jewish, uh, nationally Jewish, but because they believe. Uh, they have to repent of their unbelief, just as the Gentiles did. Uh, and all those Jews who are already saved have done. Uh, they have to, uh, have to have that change of mind. Uh, genuine belief has always been and always will be a condition of salvation. Uh, and once they, are, uh, once they are saved, these verses say they will be grafted in once again. Uh, no one will be grafted unless they accept the Son. And G John 14, 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He didn't say no man cometh to the Father except for those Jews who will come to Christ someday uh, thing, you know, by, by Jesus Christ. The reason I'm emphasizing this is because there are some that preach that these Jews will all be saved just because they're Jewish. And that's false. That goes against the word of God, Okay. And so be careful when you listen to prophecy and such. Whenever they start saying that, it's, it's a nationalistic uh, Judaism that's uh, being uh, pushed there. And uh, that's not what it's talking about. 
Okay? He specifically says here that if they abide not still in unbelief. It is a conditional grafting. Okay? Now, the grafting is conditional. Secondly, this grafting is possible. It is possible. Uh, he is warning the Gentiles, don't think just because they have been cut off that they can't be grafted back in. He says, for God is able to graft them in again. He is able to do it. And God is able because of his great love for his people. And God will forgive any sin as long as they repent and change their mind. Uh, when they repent of their unbelief, they change their mind and believe. John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 5.24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and should not, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And don't think for a moment that, this, uh, that, that it is too late. And by the way, I might say, it's not, too late to, uh, it's not too late for me to have hope in revival for America. Um, I don't believe that for a second. It, I don't believe we're too far gone. I believe God can bring revival. If God can bring revival to the nation of Israel, who for two millennia now have rejected Christ, uh, there's still hope for America to come back to Christ. Uh, now, it, 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 uh, uh, is, it is it probable? It's getting less and less, but I'm still going to have faith, amen? Because God is not the God of probability, amen? Uh, you know, and he, in fact, he could do what is impossible. And so uh, I'm not going to let that sway my hope and my prayer that America will have revival once again. And so don't say that revival is impossible. By the way, it's happening even right now in other lands that have not rejected God, that have turned to them. And we're, we're seeing it pop up in countries all over the world. And so it's not too late. And we can see it here too, uh, but it's dependent upon us. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. If my people, we have to turn from our wicked ways. We have to seek him. We have to hear from heaven. Amen? Uh, they, he forgives from heaven. Never mind. That's the wrong direction. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, we repent of our sins. We, our unbelie uh, we repent of our unbelief, and we pray, and we seek his face. And then maybe God will revi bring revival once again to our country. And I refuse to give up hope on that. I do. Until God takes us home, I'm going to keep praying for revival in America. I'm going to keep praying for revival in Mayville. And I'm going to keep praying for a revival in Mills Memorial Baptist Church. You say, Pastor, do you think we need revival? Absolutely we do. Amen? And uh, we need revival. And I'm going to keep praying for it. I refuse to give up hope. And Paul warns the Gentile Christians that there will be a revival among the Jews. <clears throat> Don't get boastful. <clears throat> he says, some of them are coming too. And some of them are going to be regrafted in. Uh, but it will be conditional upon their giving up their unbelief. He reminds them that revival is possible, and it is coming. And God is able to graft them in again. And then thirdly, not only is it possible, but it's probable. Amen? It's probable. Verse 24, he says, For if thou wert cut out, cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. Uh, if you who are not naturally part of the tree, 
and yet you were grafted in so that you can grow in Christ, how much more probable is a natural branch being grafted into their own tree to grow again? And the grafting in again of these natural branches is much more likely than it was for the calling of the Gentiles at where we were in the heathenous uh, uh, situation that we were in and the godlessness that we had and the false gods that we followed the, that, and the, the, the slavery to demonic ways and, and philosophies that we were held to and our ancestors. It's far more likely for the Jews to come back to Christ who already have an understanding of who God is than it is for us to come to Christ, and yet God did it. Amen? And God did it. And so it's, much, it's very probable that this will happen for the Jews. And Paul is confident in his prediction that God's people will once again be grafted in. Uh, Jeremiah 24, 6 and 7 says, <clears throat> For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. And we've seen Israel get their land. We've seen them become a nation. And that's a partial uh, fulfillment of this prophecy. Uh, they have, are, are in their land. And they have not been pulled out of that land. Even though they have been attacked and, uh, and attacked and attacked all of these years. And, uh, but they're still there. And no one is plucking them out. What we haven't seen fulfillment of yet is that... They get, God will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that yet. Israel is a very humanistic place. Uh, the, one of the largest capitals for, uh, my understanding is, capitals for LGBTQ, you know, whatever else names there are, uh, you know, and uh, uh, things. There's a huge pride parade in uh, in the Holy Land, they call it. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that. Uh, but God can bring revival, and he will. I believe it with all my heart. And the day is coming. Uh, let's pray for its haste, amen? And pray for haste and God coming back to get us. But with that, we've got to keep telling the gospel. We've got to be sharing the gospel. And while we pray, let's share the gospel to everyone that we can. And give out tracts to spread the gospel. Don't be boastful in the opportunity that you have been given to be grafted in. Don't sit back on your laurels. Uh, but be busy doing what God has called us to do. And don't be judgmental of those around you who have not grown yet as you have grown. Thank God for the opportunity to be able to grow. The understanding to understand his word. A good church to teach you the truth. Don't be judgmental of those who haven't come to the same standard that you have. Just pray for them and mind your own business. Amen? Obey the Holy Spirit, what he tells you to do. And don't lose sight of who God really is, his severity and his goodness. Don't forget, if God can graft you in when you are an olive a wild olive branch, how much more is it possible and probable that God will bring revival to Israel and graft the natural branches back in? Boy, I'm looking forward to that day, amen? And uh, looking forward to the day for, to see God move in that nation and ours. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, and we'll be dismissed.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this passage and, uh, Lord, how it's spoken to my heart. Lord, as we've seen uh, your dealings with Israel and be able to fit um, all of these things of your word in together and see the truth as you have given it and revealed it to us. I pray that you bless us now as we go our separate ways. Bring us back safely together to worship you on Wednesday and uh, next Sunday as well. And I pray that, you ha pray, pray that you would bless all that happens between now and then. Bless those that aren't able to be here today. I pray that you bless those that are sick, uh, not feeling well. I pray that you would heal them and help them to get better. And I pray that you encourage our hearts uh, and help us to walk with you faithfully. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. God bless you.